The Orioles are now 1-1 one one in the month of August, but the month of July was a great one for the O's. They went 17-9 and took over first place in the AL East. So, it's time to give out some Orioles awards for July. Plus, recap the O's loss to the Blue Jays and talk about Brian Baker being sent to AAA. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap an Orioles 4-1 loss, to the Toronto Blue Jays on Wednesday night. Orioles just a little bit lost. Just a couple of comedy of errors. They lost a game. It does sometimes happen. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one, including another good start from Grayson Rodriguez, a disastrous relief outing from Shintaro Fujinami, and Ryan Mountcastle just continuing to obliterate the Blue Jays. Then we'll talk a little bit about Brian Baker, who somewhat surprisingly was optioned to AAA on Wednesday to make room for Jack Flaherty on the roster, talk about why he was the selection and what he needs to do to get back into the O's bullpen. And finally, we're giving out some Orioles awards for the month of July. The MVP, Rookie of the Month, Biggest Surprise, Best Game, and more coming up at the end of the pod. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So we start today with an Orioles loss. Final score from the Rogers Center in Toronto on Wednesday night is the Blue Jays 4 and the Orioles 1. As the Jays take game 3 in this series, they will avoid the sweep. O's have still won 2 out of 3, and the Orioles will still have a chance to win the series in game four this afternoon. But with the loss, the Orioles do drop to 66 and 42 on the season. However, they got a little help from the Yankees on Wednesday night, who defeated the Rays 7 to 2. Seems like the O's and Rays are just matching each other every single night right now. So with Tampa's loss, the Orioles do remain a game and a half up on the Rays in the American League East. But I'm going to start by getting you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 4-1 to loss to the Blue Jays on Wednesday night. And the first thing you need to know is Grayson Rodriguez was really good again in this one. In his fourth start since returning from AAA, Grayson seemingly got better and better once again. Grayson in this one, although he kind of struggled to finish things off in the sixth inning, it was five and two-thirds strong from the Orioles' rookie right-hander. He allowed three earned runs on just two hits with six strikeouts, two walks, and once again, no home runs allowed. Has not allowed a long ball since returning to the big leagues. 96 pitches for Grayson and allowed only two hard-hit balls in this one. Now, the start didn't end like he wanted it to. Got the first two batters out in the sixth inning in a 1-1 game. Walks Brandon Belt on a 3-2 count. Walks Vladdy Jr. on a 10-pitch AB on a 3-2 count and gets pulled from the game, rightfully so, with 96 pitches. Those two runs end up scoring, so his line looks a lot worse. He's allowed nine runs since he has come back 
from AAA. But five of those nine runs have been inherited runners that scored off relievers. So if the O's had a better bullpen, Rodriguez's line would look even way better since he's come back. But I thought it was another really good start for him. He attacked these Blue Jay hitters. I mean, the only run that he allowed on a pitch that he threw was a bloops RBI single with two down by George Springer in the fourth inning. The velo was way up, which was really good to see. He was hitting 100 again with the fastball. Now it was very fastball heavy, right? 55 out of 96 pitches once again. But the changeup was again good. This was probably the best slider we've seen so far from Grayson in a big league uniform through 15 of them, five whiffs on eight swings on the slider. It was a ridiculous pitch. Got a couple of called strikes on it as well. That thing was nasty. Nobody could square it up at all. I was really impressed by his slider. Again, basically went away from the cutter, only threw four of them on 96 pitches. Just good stuff again from the Orioles righty. He continues to get better and better since coming back from Norfolk. Second thing you need to know from this one is Shintaro Fujinami. Although he did not allow an earned run, he put together one of the worst relief outings I have ever seen in this game. And this is something we knew was possible when the Orioles acquired Fujinami. We knew that the command issues were serious issues throughout the year with Oakland. And although he's looked amazing in his last few outings, you always know something like this could happen. That's why Fujinami didn't cost more than he did. That's why he still in total, has an 8.04 ERA on the season. And that's why you can't fully, fully trust him. Fujinami came in after Rodriguez had walked back-to-back -back batters with first and second and two down in a 1-1 game in the sixth. He walks George Springer on four pitches. Now, none of them were terribly out of the zone, but they all certainly missed. And then up comes Matt Chapman. Bases loaded, two outs, and he hits Chapman. And it wasn't like, a, oh, you know, he just nicked him on the, on the wrist or on the elbow, you know, just ran a fastball too far in. He hit him in the butt with a first pitch fastball with the bases loaded and two outs in a tie game. I don't know if I've seen a pitch get away from a pitcher in that situation like that before, and it got way away from him. Then he goes 0-2 on Danny Jansen, and you're thinking, okay, he found the strike zone, he's going to get a big strikeout, he's going to keep it 2-1, keep the O's in the game. Then he hits Jansen with an 0-2 fastball. Then Dalton Varsho hits a grounder, which we'll get to what happened there in a minute. And in the end, three runs score in the inning on zero hits for the Blue Jays. That's right. They did not get a hit, and they scored three runs in the sixth and left the bases loaded. Not a good outing from Fuji. I still trust him somewhat. The stuff is still ridiculous. But this is the fallback of having him be the one reliever you go get at the deadline. He's prone to a couple outings like this. You hope not, usually not this bad, but a couple outings like this, and it's ugly when it does happen. Third thing you need to know from this one, I've talked about it a bit the last couple of weeks on the podcast. I haven't fully committed yet, I would say, to sending this guy away, making the DFA call. But I think, and it wasn't just what happened Wednesday night. It's a culmination of a lot of things. I am officially taking my stand on Jorge Mateo. I think it is officially time to designate him for assignment. Mateo went 0 for 2 at the plate in this game, but that wasn't even made me what made me make this final declaration. It was that play in the sixth inning. Fujinami had already gone walk, hit by pitch, hit by pitch, but he gets ahead of Dalton Varsho, 0 and 2, and Varsho hits a soft ground ball to short, and you think, okay, Fujinami got out of it. Still a two-run game. You know, it'll only be the top of the seventh. The O's have plenty of comeback wins. They can do this. 
Ground ball right to Mateo. Yeah, had a little English on it. Yeah, it was hit slow. He did have to hurry. Varsho runs well, but he just completely boots it. Instead of being the final out of the inning, it allows the Blue Jays to get one more run in that sixth. And we're at the point with Jorge Mateo where he's hitting now just 211 on the season with a 596 OPS. And after he was one of the best hitters in baseball in April, he's basically been the worst hitter in the majors since the start of May. And the first step the Orioles made, right? They took him out of the everyday lineup. He is right now only playing against lefties. He still has pretty good numbers against left-handed pitchers. And there was a lefty in Kikuchi starting for the Blue Jays on Wednesday night, which is why he was in the lineup. And he's still playing a solid shortstop. But his defense is not nearly as elite as it was last year. It's been kind of bad lately. He's starting to make more and more errors at the shortstop position. And although he's getting hits here and there against left-handers, it's not even what it was against lefties at this point. You look at Mateo, it's just kind of been a disaster, right? And I know the speed is the reason why they still want to hold on to him, and it's electrifying speed. But he's not getting on base enough to use it, and there's just not enough situations at this point the Orioles are in where they're going to use him as a pinch runner to you know change the game or the in the eighth or the ninth or in extra innings. It's just not really happening. He hit 167 in July with a 489 OPS. He hit 196 in June with a 500 OPS. He hit 128 in May with a 316 OPS. It's really not getting better. He's not helping the team. If you want a guy who can pinch run in October, there are other options out there. Heck, there are options in your current system that you could put on the roster. And quite frankly, the easy replacement for Mateo on the roster, who is Joey Ortiz, just continues to absolutely kill it in AAA Norfolk. He deserves another shot. Mateo doesn't. I'm officially taking the stand. I've been on the fence. I know a lot of listeners out there have been on this train for a month and a half, right? That it was time to DFA Jorge Mateo. I've kind of stayed on the fence because I felt, you know, he can still hit lefties and the speed still helps you and the defense is still good. I'm officially saying it. As I record here, 10 p.m. Eastern time, Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023, I'm declaring it. It's time to DFA Jorge Mateo. Fourth thing you need to know from this one, the Orioles 4-1 loss to the Blue Jays, is that while Jorge Mateo goes this way, Ryan Mountcastle's going straight up right now. He continues to just dominate the Blue Jays. Mountcastle 2-2 two for two with two walks and two singles in this game. In this series against Toronto so far, Mountcastle 7-9, for nine, four doubles, five RBIs, three walks, and no strikeouts. Ryan Mountcastle has now gone five consecutive games without striking out. That is absurd and absurdly awesome for Ryan Mountcastle, who's just been awesome hitting 385 since he came off the injured list with the bout with Vertigo. I'm ready to say it. He's back. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 4-1 to loss in this game is that while Ryan Mountcastle has certainly been back, Austin Hayes is going the other direction since the All-Star break. Mountcastle has really filled in for the Hayes production. Now, Hayes did get a hit in this game. He went one for four with a single. But it's been a disaster since the All-Star break. Austin Hayes, coming into the game Wednesday, had a negative 8 WRC plus since the All-Star break. He was an All-Star. Negative 8. That is a stat where 100 is league average. He is negative 8. He's now 10 for 70, a 143 average since the break, with a 60% ground ball rate. Everything he's hitting is on the ground. 
He's not elevating anything. There's no money on the ground. You're not getting extra base hits on the ground. And that double play he grinded into in the eighth inning was a killer in this game. And he's grinded into a lot of killer double plays over the last few weeks. And you can't really sit him because Hicks is injured, Mullins is injured, Kowser is struggling. You kind of have to play him right now because he's still hitting 280 overall in the season. But man, it is rough to watch Hayes right now. And I'm really starting to worry that what happened last year in the second half after the great first half is happening again to Austin Hayes. But either way, the Orioles lost the game 4-1 to one despite giving up only three hits in this one. The walks, the miscues in the sixth inning killed them, and they dropped game 3-4 of four to the Blue Jays. But the other big news from Wednesday for the O's is they made a roster move. They added their deadline addition, Jack Flaherty, to the active roster. And I think me and a lot of other people thought, well, they just optioned Joey Crable back down to AAA. They just called him up to have an extra arm. He hasn't been here all year. He'll be the easy option. But that's not what the Orioles did. Instead, they sent Brian Baker down, who's been in the O's bullpen for the entirety of the last two seasons. He now goes to AAA. So coming up next, I'll tell you why Brian Baker was the decision and what he needs to do to get himself back into the Orioles bullpen. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by Sleeper. Do you think that Ryan Mountcastle can hit a homer tonight? and continue to just dominate against the Blue Jays? Well, I sure do. And on Sleeper, you can swing for the fences with up to a 100-time payout. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stat categories like homers, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you can win big. You can get on Sleeper, and it's such an easy app to use. It's a great way to play daily fantasy sports. And they've got dynamic payouts on the app as well. Each player projection now has a multiplier attached to it. And you can just win more money. You get higher payouts than other apps with less picks. So use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. So the Orioles fall to the Blue Jays 4-1 in Game 3 of a four-game set on Wednesday night. But before the game Wednesday, the Orioles added Jack Flaherty to the active roster after they acquired him from the Cardinals just before the trade deadline on Tuesday in exchange for three prospects. Flaherty is set to start today's Game 4 of this series, making his Orioles debut. But they added him to the roster today because he made it to Toronto on Wednesday, and they had to make a roster move. And I talked about it back on Wednesday's episode. I think I figured, and many of us figured, Joey Crable would be the option, right? He came up on Sunday. He hasn't been with the O's all year. He had kind of struggled a bit in AAA, but he was just kind of here to be an extra arm before Flaherty got here. He pitched well, right? Crable got four outs, finished off the game, the the big win on Tuesday night. But generally, it was kind of felt that, yeah, he hasn't really been a part of the team this year. He'll just be optioned back down to AAA. And then that's not what the Orioles did. They added Flaherty to the roster. He'll wear number 15. And they optioned Brian Baker down to AAA Norfolk. Now, I'm not saying it's the craziest move because Baker has struggled a bit this season. His overall season stats in 45 appearances with the Orioles, Baker has a 3.64 ERA in 42 innings, a 3.24 FIP, 29% strikeout rate has been good, 14% walk rate has been really, really, really bad. League average is 8%. 34% ground ball rate, 73% left on base rate is sixth in the Orioles' bullpen. A lot of people have pointed out he's really struggled stranding inherited runners. 
He has. He's, you know, five Orioles relievers better than him at doing that this season. The interesting part is kind of comparing Baker's numbers this year to last year because Brian Baker definitely had kind of a roller coaster 2022 in the Orioles bullpen, but he spent the whole year in the pen. And remember, he finished really strong. Brian Baker in August and September of last year was probably the Orioles' best reliever. I mean, he was locked down, down the stretch for the O's, and we kind of thought it would happen again. And, you know, he was solid earlier in the season for the O's, and then it's kind of gotten worse and worse as the season's gone on. In 69 and two-thirds innings last year, had a 3.49 ERA, so a little bit lower. 26% strikeout rate, a little lower. 9% walk rate, much lower. Had a much higher ground ball rate at 42%. Similar kind of left-on-base issues last season, but he was better. So the question is kind of what happened and why was he sent down? Well, it's interesting to look at his stats lately because Brian Baker in July... Stats kind of don't look bad. Nine and two-thirds innings, two runs on eight hits, nine strikeouts, five walks is not good, and one home run in the month of July. And actually, his ability to leave guys on base has been much better in the month of July. I know there's two instances you think of where you think, my goodness, he let it get out of hand. The grand slam he allowed to Chris Taylor against the Dodgers and the three-run double he allowed to Connor Fleffa against the Yankees on Saturday night. But those were also the only runners that he allowed to score that he inherited in the month of July. Every other time he came in, he got out of the jam. So it's kind of like the really bad appearances are really sticking in your mind, which happens. It's, it's baseball. That's kind of how life operates generally. The issue, though, in July has been, despite a lower ERA, low strikeout numbers, right? His strikeout rate, worst of any month this year in July. His walk numbers, really bad as well. Worst of the year. And the stuff is just down. The fastball spin rate is down. The fastball's been worse. And specifically in July, the fastball spin has been way down. And the fastball's been terrible. Opponents are slugging 588 in July against Baker's fastball. And although he throws it, you know, 95, 96, 97, and even above that at times, it's not spinning as much. It's not kind of moving on that upward plane as much. And he's not getting many swings and misses. His whiff rate is kind of way down on all of his pitches. But the main issue from Brian Baker, and it's something I've talked about over the last few weeks on the podcast, he's a three-pitch guy, right? It's fastball, slider, changeup. Now, his fastball, when it's good, it's a solid pitch. His slider is kind of morphed out of his bad cutter from last year. The slider's better than the cutter was last year, but it's not an amazing slider. The pitch for Baker is the changeup. That Baker changeup, I would probably say is a top five pitch easily in the Orioles bullpen right now. Not just top five, top five singular pitch when it's on in the Orioles bullpen. The changeup has got so much movement. It like stops in midair. It goes away from lefties. You can get righties with it and get called strikes, swinging strikes. When it's on, it's ridiculous. And when he was really good last September, that changeup was on for Brian Baker. He was throwing it about 25% of the time, basically. So a quarter of his pitches were the changeup. It was in the zone about 50% of the time. That's what made it so good. Half the time, he'd drop it into the zone for a strike. Half the time, he'd go at the knees, drop it out of the zone, and get a swing and miss. That's what made it great. That pitch was really, really good last year. He just doesn't have the feel for it right now. In July, he only threw it 14% of the time. And the changeup was only in the strike zone a career low 23% of the time. That's half the rate it was in the zone last September. He can't throw the pitch for a strike right now, basically. He only threw 12 change-ups in June, 
and he only threw a few more in July. You can see it when he tries to throw it. He either bounces it like five feet in front of the home plate, or he throws it 10 feet over a batter's head. Now, the pitch when he's commanding it is filthy, and we saw him command it a good amount early in the season. We saw him command it greatly at the end of last year, but when he doesn't have that pitch, he's basically not throwing it. Guys aren't looking for it. Guys don't care about it because he can't throw it near the zone. So he's a guy with a fastball that's worse and an okay slider at best. That's not a good big league reliever. And when that guy's also not really throwing strikes and he's walking guys, you kind of have to send him down, right? Like when you go through all that, it makes sense. I mean, the changeup still has, you know, a 30 plus percent whiff rate on the year. And it's been up towards 40 at times. It's still a good pitch if he can command it. He just can't. What I would do with Brian Baker right now, I just have him throw like 75% changeups in every AAA outing. He's got to be down there for at least 15 days unless he's replacing an injured player on the Orioles roster to come back. I just have him throw changeup after changeup in the bullpens, in the games. Doesn't matter if it's not working. Keep throwing the changeup. Minor leagues is about development. The Orioles with their bullpen struggles, a good Brian Baker would be huge for this bullpen down the stretch. All he needs to be good is find that changeup again. So throw it, throw it, throw it until you get the feel back because he's had it before, he'll have it again. Once he gets that feel back, he's going to be a different reliever. He's going to be the good Brian Baker we've seen before and he'll be back in the bullpen. But right now, he doesn't have it and it's ugly to watch and that's why he's down there. So Joey Crable stays. I mean, you know, he had a three ERA in 30 innings. He looked good. or That's his AAA stats. He looked good in his... Major League debut this year on, on Tuesday night against the Blue Jays, of course, in a 10-run in a game. But he did have a 6-3-4 FIP in AAA. He also had a 19% strikeout rate to a 13% walk rate. Remember, Baker's at 14. Crable's been almost as bad. So Joey Crable has been, honestly, the luckiest pitcher maybe in AAA this year. The stuff has not been good. The underlying numbers have been terrible. But when he looked that good Tuesday night, maybe you give him another shot until at least, you know, Deal Hall's ready. Maybe Austin Voth gets healthy whatever it may be that you want to make a different move in the bullpen. But hey, Brian Baker, not good lately. Not good in July. Wasn't really the case for a lot of the rest of the Orioles. They had a great month of July. They went 17-9. They took over first place in the AL East. So coming up next to finish off today's episode, hand out some awards for the month of July for those first place Baltimore Orioles. So the O's did have a great month of July, 17-9. They're now 1-1 one and one in August after the win Tuesday night and then the loss 4-1 to one of the Blue Jays on Wednesday. But they've got a chance here to still win a series in Toronto. They lost their first game of the year at the Rogers Center on Wednesday night, trying to keep it at just one loss for the season as they play the final game of a four-game set tonight. Little matinee game, 3.07 p.m. Eastern time start here on Getaway Day for a day game. For the Orioles... Debut of Jack Flaherty in an Orioles uniform after acquiring him from the Cardinals at the deadline on Tuesday. Flaherty, who hasn't pitched since last Thursday for the Cardinals, will make his Orioles debut. And he'll go up against a former Oriole. Kevin Gaussman will get the ball for the Blue Jays here in Game 4. He has been, without a doubt, the Blue Jays' best starter this season. Gaussman having another great year for Toronto. These are the years we kind of... Wished he would have been having in an Orioles uniform. It just never worked out. He was traded during the fire sale. And now Gosman is pitching really well for the Jays. A 3.10 ERA for KG on the season. 
and uh, we'll see if the O's can try to get to him on Thursday afternoon. But you can catch every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of Game 4 between the O's and the Jays here on Thursday afternoon with the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. But that game will be a game in August. Wanted to, though, jump back to July because I know it's August 3rd, so you know we're a couple days removed from July, but if you remember, the uh, trade deadline was happening right when July turned to August. So focusing on that here on the podcast, but as I've done after every full month of this season, have gone back and given out some monthly awards and going to do that again today for the month of July. The Orioles went 17-9 and in July, had a great month, barely lost any series, and took over first place from the Rays in the AL East, had four All-Stars go to Seattle in this month. You could argue it was their best month of the season with that record, with taking first, with having all the success. Let's give out some awards. First, July MVP. There were some good candidates for this one on the hitting side, but I went with Gunnar Henderson. Had the highest F war at .8 in the month, 125 WRC+, plus, six homers, played, made some great defensive plays at shortstop and third in this month. He's really heating up. He's got an OPS over 900 since the start of June. He was great in July. I think he's once again the front runner for AL Rookie of the Year, and he was the MVP for the Orioles in this month. Cy Young Award for July goes to Kyle Bradish. I think he won it in June, to be honest. He wins it in July again. Five starts for the Orioles last month, 32 innings. Bradish had a 2.25 ERA. He was great. Eight Ks per nine isn't usual Bradish, but 1.9 walks per nine. He was keeping the ball in the strike zone, pitching deep into games, had the great strong seven innings on Tuesday night in Toronto to kind of start his August right there, but just really, really impressed with Kyle Bradish. Rookie of the month for the O's goes to Grayson Rodriguez. Now, he only made three starts in the month after he returned from AAA Norfolk, but in 17 innings, he had a 3-1-8 ERA. Looks like a completely different pitcher for the O's since coming back from AAA. They fixed him, I think, somewhat. As I talked about, he looked good again on Wednesday night. He gets your Rookie of the Month award. Reliever of the Month was easy again because this guy, for the third time in four months this year, won the American League Reliever of the Month award. That is Felix Bautista, who once again had a month that just makes you say, how is this even possible? 14 innings, 8 saves, 0 earned runs, 3 hits, 4 walks, and 25 strikeouts for Felix Bautista. He had as many saves as base runners allowed in this month. That is insanity. He's too good. And the O's are lucky to have him closing out ballgames. The surprise player of the month, biggest surprise for the O's, positively, Ryan Mountcastle, who did miss some of the month, right? Didn't come back from the vertigo issue until the final game before the All-Star break. But after he did that in July, he was awesome. 44 plate appearances, hit 350 in July with two homers and a 174 WRC+, meaning he was 74% better than a league average hitter in that stretch. He's continued that into August, dominating this series against the Blue Jays. He's back. Biggest disappointment. I had two choices. The one could have been Tyler Wells, who was terrible in three starts and was sent down to double-A Bowie to kind of reset. But decided to go with the hitter. It's Austin Hayes. Talked about him already a little bit earlier in the episode. Hayes was a disaster in the month of July. 79 plate appearances, a 162 average, 203 on base, 243 slugging. 
18 WRC plus with a 5% walk rate, a 26% strikeout rate. And I mentioned his issues with just hitting the ball on the ground way too much. His average launch angle in July was seven degrees. That is not going to cut it. That is a ground ball every time you're going up there. Hopefully August can flip things, but July was not good for Austin Hayes. Best game of the month? Give me July 30th, right at the end of the month. Just something about the Orioles on Sunday night baseball, scoring seven runs in the first inning off Luis Severino, dominating at the yard against the Yankees on national TV to win a series in a 9-3 Orioles win. That was just a lot of fun. There were a lot of great games in this month. That one was the one that stuck out the most for me. Best series of the month, this one is easy. July 20th through 23rd, the Orioles go to the Trop and take three out of four from the Tampa Bay Rays and take over first place in the American League East. What an awesome series that was for the O's. Just some great moments, comeback wins. They did everything in that series. That's so far the defining series of the year, I think, for the Orioles. Worst loss of the month. It's a couple, you know, they only lost nine games, but I got to go July 25th in Philly. Orioles lose three to two, two or four to three, I should say, to the Phillies in that one. Bautista not available. Go to Cano in the ninth inning. Two outs, a runner on first with a one-run lead, and he proceeds double infield single, walk-off single, gives up two in the ninth, blows the save, and the Orioles lose to the Phillies. That was a tough one. Now, last two, best offensive performance in a single game of the month. July 6th at Yankee Stadium, Gunnar Henderson in a 14-1 Orioles win goes 4-for-7 with two homers and five RBIs and started the game 4-for-4 four four in four innings. It was an absurd performance from Gunnar. Got to shout that one out. And then best pitching performance, there were a couple to choose from. I went with Friday night. Grayson Rodriguez, July 28th against the Yankees. Six and two-thirds innings, scoreless, three hits, four Ks, two walks, introducing himself once again in a game that the Orioles would win on the Santander walk-off homer, 1-0 in the bottom of the ninth. Just a lot of good stuff happening in that month of July, and shout-out to everyone who won those very prestigious awards. I'm sure they'll be by soon to pick up the hardware for their Orioles July awards. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow for one more episode of the week. We're going to break down game four between the Orioles and the Blue Jays, hopefully talking about an O's series win, run through everything we saw from Jack Flaherty in his first Orioles start, preview the upcoming weekend series for the O's as they host the Mets at the yard, and talk a little bit more about just kind of putting a bow on the Orioles trade deadline here in 2023. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.